The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network with Van Burnett, and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 71. Today's Thursday, September 1st, which means we are in the final month of regular season fantasy. And I'm here joined by Steve Giswelli. Uh, Steve, thanks for filling in with Schwebzy. That was great last week. I'm back from Brazil, and I am freshly bounced from the playoffs in my all-important home league. So, you know, I'm on the other side of uh, the anxiety and drama here, but I'm still plugged in. I got some other leagues in contention, so excited to talk about uh, today's topic, looking at some of the call-ups with the expanded rosters, but I miss you, man. Uh, great show, and uh, yeah, Brazil was awesome, but good to uh, be back talking baseball with you, Steve. Yeah, it's great to have you back. I'm glad I don't have to uh, botch the hosting duties like I I did, uh, or my excuse for what is what is hosting duties last week. But uh, you did a fine job thanks. navigating the transitions. That's really all it is: is the transitions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Missed a few Twitter plugs here and there, but hey, what can you do? You know, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm no Van Burnett, that's for sure. But glad to have you back. Glad to talk baseball again. Doesn't feel right uh, during the regular season if we don't have our weekly chat. Uh, so so it's good to have you back. Glad uh, South America was good. Sorry to hear about your home league, but you know. Uh, obviously it's, it's tough whenever you get eliminated from like, you know, your most important league, but there's almost like a, it's like a sigh of relief, right? Like, you know, like when it's over, it's, it's there, there's like a weight that's lifted. Obviously you want that to be as late as possible and ideally winning a championship, but Hey, you know, uh, fantasy baseball is hard. That's why we're doing this and trying to, you know, look for every advantage that we can find. Yeah, it's so true. Like now I'm, I'm taking my talents to uh, the golf course to work on my irons and uh, unfortunately dreading some uh, fantasy football research for this like obligated league that I'm in. But yes, you're right, Steve. And uh, it's it's fine. I, I view making the playoffs in a head-to-head league as kind of the benchmark. And as, as long as you're, you're doing that, it means you're kind of checking, you're active. So it's a good spot, and you, I believe, are still alive, right? You got a little crunch playoff matchup going on right now. Oh yeah, uh, still alive. First round of the playoffs, got the four seed. Uh, was in a battle for a potential one seed in a buy, uh, but it was really tight in the top of our league. So uh, just trying to scrape through and, and and win. You know, we we have fourteen categories. Win seven six. That's it. Uh, my team's been pretty good. Uh, you know, had some struggles, but I, I feel like I've found ways to like scrape out wins and that's all you need to do in a head-to-head playoff so hoping that's the case there um still doing well in uh the on the wire league uh, hosted by adam howe the host of on the wire on the picture list podcast network and our boss uh at the the podcast network and picture list um so that team's in first and actually going for the overall there there's like a 80 teams i think around there so have a, a good result there um so yeah, in contention, some leagues doing okay in turf. Uh, that that the world league, uh, you know, the turf, uh, barf, all those regional fantasy leagues. Uh, I'm yeah, up to like yeah. fourth, I think, in that league, fourth or fifth. So want a respectable finish in there. There's a bunch of uh, industry guys in there. Matt Williams, uh, Matt Williams with the the two L's or seven on Twitter. Um, 
organizes or is the commissioner of the the Turnpike area uh, fantasy league, so like the New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia area. Uh, so want a respectable finish in that, which is which is which is nice. Um, but yeah, excited for the home stretch and you know uh, pumped for the playoffs. Like it, it's still a, it's still a good baseball time uh, September, even though we're winding down and we kind of dread the finish of it and hope for uh, spring once it starts to get cold, but that's still a little while away. Yeah, definitely. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep tabs on it, Steve. I think it's important to just, you know, keep the, uh, the spirit of why we're in this in the first place. We won't spend too much time on it, but it's also good for our fans to know that you got credentials here. We're at least going to get you in the top six in your league. If you follow some of our advice, but Steve, (laughs) The, the Twitter plugs that I missed is any of our viewers, if you guys have been with us this long, hopefully you know, but give us a follow on Twitter at WindsAbovePod. I'm at Van underscore verified, and Steve is at Stav8818. As always, you guys can write into the show, WindsAboveFantasy at gmail.com. We're not too far away from kind of having the postseason uh, wrap-up content, so if you guys have any topics you'd like to recap why is Acuna not hitting for power things of that nature that I'm clearly losing sleep over uh just write us in and we'll we'll be sure to get it on on the show but otherwise we'd love if you guys could give us a rating and review but as always we appreciate you guys spending your Thursdays with us so let's get into it Steve uh September call-ups we had kind of a pivot on our show topic this week and for good reason I think we were uh both thinking let's be actionable let's think about ads but then a deeper theme is within the ads there's a lot of guys getting called up and it's like that you know stir crazy youth comes up and you got to add them quick if they're worth it because we've seen it with guys like Vaughn Grissom uh you know Vinny P when he was healthy Michael Harris the second it can happen fast and man we've got a nice list of about 12 names here that we're going to get into Mostly batters, a few pitchers sprinkled in there. But Steve, talk to me about just this time of year and in general, uh, some of the names that we're talking about or just advice that you have this late in the season to get an edge. Yeah, it's uh, officially September call-up day, right? On September 1st, uh, rosters expand by two. I think teams uh, can add one pitcher, so it can't be both pitchers. Um, so they can't just like boost up their bullpen fully. Um, and I think that changed what in 2019 or, or even, even last year, was it? I, I forget, but it used to be that the mm-hmm. roster expanded to like, what, like 40, I think you could have, or some, yeah. some ridiculous number. Yeah. 40. Minutes, um, yeah. And basically everyone would come up or anyone who, you know, uh, was someone. W- right? Yeah. was someone came up and, there were probably a more quantity of prospects that came up, but I think because the rosters were so big and there were so many spots and, you know, additional playing time to go around that it might be better for fantasy purposes. Now that's just two, because like, right. Like they're just going to call up the one guy that's going to play, uh, you know, like, like we've seen with the Orioles with the, what they did with Gunnar Henderson. We'll get in him and, Corbin Carroll, even though it was a little bit earlier than the official September one call up day, but there's less mouths to feed kind of is what I'm saying. So I I think it's, it's kind of more important to pay attention to the names and the the teams that come up. Sure. There's going to be some starters and relievers that'll be used uh, by teams in contention to, to, you know, help the bullpen and, give a rest to some starters, things like that. But there's still some guys on, on contending teams and non-contending teams that now have this roster spot that's available. And there's still, you know, um, what, like 25, 28 games left for most teams uh, with the, the late start to the season, it's a condensed schedule. So there's not as many off days. So uh, there's still a, a decent chuck and season left. So en- enough time to make an impact for sure. So some guys that, definitely could help you in the last month, whether that's Roto or head to head, right? There's still plenty of time to make up ground and to win your matchups. Yeah. And I think most of these guys, you're going to, you're going to be aware that they got the call. And like I said, you got to kind of act fast. So I think the other side of it, Steve, and curious on your thoughts about this, but there's kind of an evaluation that 
who who is the player we're looking at, but also what's kind of the immediate impact they can make because sometimes we do have a tendency to overreact or kind of look at things with the the rose colored glasses and say, oh, this this is this could happen, but we've also seen kind of the prospect burn on some quick ads. So I think maybe that's just kind of the level of a healthy skepticism, I guess, to really evaluate like the, you know, the playing time, the potential you can get from other people that are most likely on the wire. So I think this is a a great list of names. If not as, you know, every one of them is like an ad, at least ones to basically help people understand what to make of of some of these, these call-ups, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I I think it's, you kind of nailed it. It's trying to find that balance. Like not everyone is going to come up and hit the ground running and not every single September call-up is going to have fantasy impact, right? Even if they do have the playing time. Um, So it's kind of, you know, navigating it, how you would navigate any other ads at this, this time of the year, right? It's, it's sure and burn. You got to be ready to drop someone at a drop of a dime and, and, in redraft, right? Like anyone at this point is droppable. You know, if you don't have IL spots and you can't, you're in a head to head matchup and Clanahan's going to miss two weeks. Like, you know, you got to move on. Like if you need a start and you don't have the space or whatever, like it's that time of year. So you have to be actionable. You have to give these guys a shot, right? Like, especially the bigger names that we'll talk about here. Um, but also be cognizant of the fact that like, Hey, uh, maybe they're not playing Carol as much as we thought they would. Uh, you know, I, you don't really have time to, to, to wait just for them to figure it out. So you kind of got to put it under a microscope and, and, and be quick to react. Uh, even if that does mean you're going to miss like a, a hot week at the end of September, but you might not be surviving until the last week of September, you know? So, uh, it, it's about finding that balance. Well, let's get into it. Let's talk about Corbin Carroll. He's one that we outlined a month or two back is just when it when it happens, you're going to want to rush to add. And it's no secret in the industry. Carroll, of course, the outfielder for the, the Diamondbacks, number three MLB prospect, gets promoted um, as a refresher in AAA. He, his slash line was 287, 408. So a huge jump on the walks and I guess the plate discipline and a 535 slug. And those numbers looked even better at double A, which makes sense, but it's just not a fluke. This is how good this guy is. 31 steals in just 91 games across high minors there. So Carroll comes in with a monster prospect pedigree, Steve. Obviously speed is what jumps off the page. Is this must-add everywhere? Talk to me about um, what your thoughts are on Carroll. I know his roster ship, probably of every name we have on the list here, is the highest and is rising the fastest. So I think this is one that it seems like everyone is aware of, and it's like if he's still out there now, you kind of rush to add, right? Yeah, even with just the two games and he's off, uh, he, he, he was first lefty tonight and isn't playing. Um, in NFBC leagues where you can't add a guy until they actually play a game. Um, those first two games are probably going to be enough to uh, have people throw whatever budget is left in any NFBC league at, at Corbin Carroll. You know, he had uh, uh, he, he's three for 10 already. He has like five RBIs, hit a ball like 440 feet that didn't leave the park somehow because of that tall wall in center field in Arizona. Um I don't know if you saw the video, but there was a sprint speed of him scoring from first on a double from Alec Thomas, where he hit like the top sprint speed in the league already. Like, you know, wow. all the tools have been on display in just the two games that he's played already. So yeah, he's a must add basically anywhere. Um, you know, the speed is ridiculous. Uh, it, it might be like the, 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 peak end comp for me that comes to mind is like is like trey turner um maybe he has more mm-hmm. power because i don't know if turner ever hit uh you know uh 24 homers or 23 homers uh, uh, combined in a year in the minors that the power sort of developed a little bit later for turner and in the majors um 
uh, Carroll was in two very, very hitter friendly environments. Uh, that being said, uh, it was a 330 ISO at double A in 58 games and a 248 ISO in triple A in 33 games. And, you know, was 66% better than league average in double A, 35% better than league average in triple A. And, you know, being in those hitter friendly environments, WRC plus, uh, the, the numbers that I just used for the league averages does take that into account. Like, right. It's like why Rocky sitters always have a low WRC plus because, it takes into account how hitter-friendly uh, Coors Field is and, you know, negates that, essentially. So to be that good mm-hmm. in hitter-friendly environments is super impressive. Uh, I, I'd add Carroll in basically any league, no matter how shallow. Yeah, the the element of Carroll I wasn't as familiar with was that, I guess, the the – the power when I saw the 23 homers in the minors this year, I was like, Oh man, is he, so he's really like 30, 30. I, for some reason I had him pegged this kind of like 15, 20, you know, and you know, kind of a ceiling 15, 20 homers and then sky's the limit on like, you know, 50 steals. But I, I'm watching the power closely rest of the way, just because I, I didn't expect that, it would be this big of an output with, you know, the ISO being 330 at AA, 248 and AAA. So do you think, I mean, if it looks good from here on in, just out of curiosity, Steve, do you think this is top five, top six rounds next year with the speed he has and the plate discipline and everything? think, Think about where Bobby Witt went without ever playing a game in the majors. I know there was a, it was a 30, 30 minor league season, right? Uh, for Witt last year, but Carroll definitely, would have came close to that at, at least if he stayed in the minors this last month. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I think it's going to be at the, the floor is where Bobby Witt went, which is what, like at his nineties, like hundred. Yeah. yeah. He, he even creeped up, I think to like the fourth, fifth round. So, you know, uh, I guess, yeah, in, in, in a, in a 14 team, 15 team league, it'll be around, 60 75 as a floor but like if he has a great september it'll be like the third round like the hype will be just out of control if he hits like four homers steals six bases and hits like 270 right like it'll be yeah the hype will be insurmountable like i don't know if i would have any carol shares next year if that if that's the case but it, it could be that that crazy especially with like the success of Witt and Julio Rodriguez, right? Like it seems like there's like a cycle with these prospects, right? Like uh, Kelnick was slow to start and, and, and didn't work as that high investment. So like Julio wasn't hyped up and you know, I know, I know Witt was, but it, th- there wasn't as much of a track record and like, was he going to ca- get called up? So it seems like it's like when the when there there's ultra successes like Wit and and Julio, the, people think that it's like it's cyclical. Like they think it's going to happen again. Like of course right. Carroll isn't going to fall on his face, or you know if Carroll does fall on his face and ends up like getting sent down, I don't think that'll happen. But maybe you know I didn't think that would happen right. with Kalnick either. Uh, then next year's prospects will be like, ah, oh, let's let's wait on this. It's funny Push how it that down. works. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, let's move to the next one, which is the number two MLB prospect. And you mentioned Gunnar Henderson. Uh, I don't know his, the full game line, Steve, but I, I saw his first MLB hit was a home run today as we record this on Wednesday. Uh, it was all over. If you guys haven't seen the clip, an absolute bomb. Lost the helmet. Had the, the lettuce, flow, the flow, yeah, the flow around. running around the bases. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> so Henderson is, uh, I believe he was kind of, he came up as kind of a natural shortstop, but it looks like he's going to be playing third for Baltimore, which that eligibility will be welcome, if not uh, the rest of this season, definitely next year as well. Uh, Gunnar Henderson, another great slash line at AAA, 288 average, 389 OBP, and a 504 slug so there seems like uh you know similar power speed combo here in 112 games across the minors 
this season, 19 home runs, 22 steals. So another guy who's kind of flirting with that 30-30 uh, scenario, Steve. Talk to me about Gunnar Henderson, kind of rest of season. And of course, since we just talked about Carroll, maybe how these two kind of stack up in your mind. Another 80-grade baseball name, right? Like Gunnar Henderson. There's no way this guy could be bad, right? Yeah, uh, yeah and, and speaking of the, the position flexibility, uh, they did have him on the, the right side of the infield, too, the uh, last few weeks. He played a few games at second and even some at first. So that could be interesting. Uh, I know Yahoo has some, some light eligibility. Fantrax does, too, or, or more custom. So. Uh, if he can get some games over there too, that 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 can be really interesting and and, and nice for uh, some position eligibility for next year at least. Um, but yeah, like this is another one like the the Julio Rodriguez and, and Bobby Witt of 2022. It's Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson for 2023. Um, I actually was stashing. Corbin Carroll and Gunnar Henderson in my minor slots uh, in my home league, and they got called up literally for the playoffs. So hopefully they'll they'll carry me to to victory there in my home league. But uh, we'll see. Uh, Henderson did have a a, a nice homer uh, today. Uh, I was watching it live. Was pretty excited. Uh, had another hit, so he was two for four today. Um, nice. But and he's batting a little bit higher up in the order. Yeah, I think he was he was than, he was six. Carroll. Yeah. Um, but and the O's are, are are good, right? Like their offense has been pretty good all year. I mean, he should take uh, you know Odor's playing time. I think they'll slide Urias over the second, uh, have Mateo at, at short, um, and who knows? Now uh, Castle's been streaky. I think he broke like an O for twenty or something today, and who knows if they they, they get Gunnar Henderson over the first or was more just a okay. Let's see if he can actually do it to be a backup on the depth chart if needed. Um, but yeah, I mean, Carol and Henderson, I, I think they're ads basically everywhere. So do you think this is like they're playing three out of every four games, five out of every six? Like, I think the volume I, that might be the only thing in question. I know it's I kind th- of crystal ball. I think Henderson will play most games like the O's are in a playoff race for their life. Like they need them like mm-hmm. you, they, they can't be running Rugnetto door and is, you know, 60 WRC plus out there every day. Um, right. So th- they need them. They, they, they need to win every game. They have a bunch of games with the Blue Jays who they're chasing in September. So I, I think Henderson will play every day. Carroll, there is a bit of a squeeze in the outfield, you know, because they have Alec Thomas. They have Dalton Varsha who plays a lot out there. Uh, Jake McCarthy has been really, really good. Um, a guy that I, I – I, I think we might have talked about on, on, on a few episodes back. I, I'm hoping we did because he's been great as a source of speed and, and, and been hitting well for the for the Diamondbacks. So uh, and Stone Garrett too. So there's there's quite a bit of mouth to feed in, in Arizona, uh, and they've been a lot better recently too as an offense. They're like no longer uh, a bottom feeder offense. So uh, not that they're a great team or anything like that, but they've been better offensively. Uh, Carroll is sitting versus lefty today. So I think Carroll may sit a little bit more just because Dimebacks don't have that much to play for where Henderson, those need this man. So like it's all system go with that. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be, uh, both great names to watch even for redraft, uh, next year. But I think rush to add on both of these is the consensus. Uh, we're going to talk about a pitcher and get into more batters, but first we're going to take a real quick ad break and we'll be right back. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show 
All right, Steve, so let's talk about Hunter Brown with the Astros. Of course, the Verlander news, also a, a major bummer, is we're kind of getting a little pop-up of a handful of pitcher injuries. So Hunter Brown, I think the, the natural reaction is, oh, well, he could slot in there. But Christian Javier is already set for his next start, and it kind of brings into question what Hunter Brown's I guess rotation or involvement will be with the Astros, but in terms of the pitcher himself, uh, he's got a good fastball slider curveball combination, uh, 2.55 ERA, a 108 WHIP, with 134 strikeouts and 106 innings this year at AAA. So love the pitcher, love kind of the long term with Hunter Brown, but what do you see kind of under the hood? Any anything in terms of analysis or what are we thinking for kind of prospects of playing time and how Hunter Brown could help fantasy managers down the stretch? I am really, really excited for Hunter Brown in 2023. Um, yeah. His last start at AAA or start, uh, it was a bulk appearance out of the bullpen, so they're getting used to that. And like you said, the Astros have had sort of a rotation crunch uh, kind of all year, so they had a six-man um before Verlander went down and Javier pitched today, went back into a slot. I know he pitched uh, out of the bullpen over the weekend, so there were some question marks there. Uh, But Javier was pretty good today. I think he had like eight strikeouts in five innings. Um, So I I, I don't see, uh, you know, especially if Verlander's only this minimum stay, which I think they kind of expect it to be, um, unless there's another injury or they want to somehow do a six-man if they have like a six- or seven-game week uh, coming up. Uh, I know the Astros were light on games this week. I think they only have five. Um, so doesn't fit immediately. But, hey, he, he if he gets announced that he's starting any game, like I would, I would rush to add him. Um, Derek Van Riper on the Athletic Fantasy Baseball podcast uh, mentioned that, like, this looks a lot similar to Spencer Strider, just like the most ridiculous K stuff in the minors. Mm-hmm. High a high walk rate, but like, you know, he's got that 108 whip, and that comes with like a 10.6% walk rate. So if he's walking that many batters, wow. like that just goes to show how few hits he's giving up. Um, he doesn't give up any homers. It's only 0.42 homers per nine. So he's got nasty, nasty stuff, like probably the best strikeout rate in the minors or, you know, strikeout guy in the minors, not the best strikeout rate, but um, as far as like top end strikeout stuff for a starter in the minors, I think, you know, it's hard to argue anyone's better than Hunter Brown. Uh, So I like it a lot. Like, sure. You know, this would be, if you have like a weekly fab, like this is the week to throw it on him because he's not a starter. So maybe the price will be a little bit lower and you never know. They might need to throw him in there. He's just one, spot start away needed for the Astros to, to be in there at least for the next two weeks with Verlander gone. So he's got the stuff. I like it a lot. Yeah. And if they're trying to bring him along as kind of a postseason weapon, they're definitely going to want to get him some reps. So I think again, in like weekly head to head matchups, it's not rocket science. Most of you guys are probably looking at like, you know, the volume based stuff to start pitchers and everything. If you need, you know, we joke around and call it like the underworld. But if you're if you're not going for the volume and you're trying to play in the underworld of like just protecting ratios, uh, not giving up home runs or losses or anything for your categories, Hunter Brown, it seems like could be a really good like three to four innings a week ratio and help with strikeouts as well. Um, so I really like it. The only thing like you mentioned, Steve, is like the 11 percent walk rate maybe suggests there's going to be a little volatility, but if he's just striking out the yard and, and giving up ground balls outside of that 54% ground ball rate, it's like terrific. It's like the Dylan C it's like the Dylan C's profile, right? Yes, exactly. Yep. So the Astros have, have done this so many times, like, right. Like Javier came up as a reliever. Now he's a starter, you know, even like McCullers, I think uh, at -hmm. least during their, their world series run was a reliever for that time. So this is kind of their specialty. Yeah, I, I, I love it. So Hunter Brown, I think, is a, a thumbs up as well for us. Now let's move to a name we were talking about plenty in the preseason, Steve, in Tristan Casas for the Boston Red Sox first baseman. We were talking about him as a, a handcuff for Bobby Dahlbeck. 
and Casas has done nothing but hit when he's been out there for AAA in 69 games. Slash lines 271, 385 OBP, 478 slug. So again, uh, in just 69 games, 10 home runs, a really good plate discipline with the 15% walk rate, a 21% strikeout rate is, you know, solid. And I think that right away, if he gets the call, would be a, a really savvy ad for OBP leagues. Now the question, I guess, becomes... We haven't heard the news yet on Casa, so mm-hmm. if if it does happen, do we think that he immediately gets into that same type of playing time that we were talking about with like Corbin Carroll, where it's like three out of every four games or four out of every five? Talk to me about kind of the player analysis, Steve, and the prospectus for how it could help managers. Yeah, just to be clear, as of this as of this recording, um, Carroll's the first. Uh, Casas is the first guy that we're talking about that hasn't been announced as a, an official September call-up. Obviously, Carroll and Gunnar Henderson are already up. Hunter Brown has been announced that he's being called up on the first. Uh, Casas, this is the first uh, speculation um, player that we have on this list. But the reason why uh, I added it uh, is that Steve Hewitt uh, tweeted about Alex Cora's um, spot on WEI in Boston um, that Alex Cora said that there is a chance that Casas will be called up in, in September. So not official. It'll be tomorrow when rosters expand, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case. Um, said it's one of the names that he's discussed. He's saying he's not saying it's tomorrow in three weeks, but he's believes there's a chance he'll be a part of it in September. Uh, and Casas has been really good uh, of late uh, 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 at AAA. So, um, there's been some rough spots for him. I know he came up and and wasn't great. It was just a nine game sample where he got 33 at bats, uh, 42 plate appearances. Um, but you know, it's not like he struck out a bunch. It was a 19 percent strikeout rate against a 19 percent walk rate, which is uh, pretty impressive. Uh, you know, excuse me, that was his uh, AAA numbers uh, last year. So, did, okay, am am I uh, am I right that Casas came up for a hot second this year? Uh, I I had him in some. Uh, some best balls. I don't remember yeah, maybe, seeing maybe that he wrong. was up, but I might've missed it. I might've missed it. Um, but regardless, um, you know, uh, 128 WRC plus with a respectable strikeout rate at just 22%, uh, sitting for more power recently. And those numbers have been really, really good recently. So, uh, the Red Sox can use them. They're just in an absolute free fall. Uh, and I don't see why not, you know, uh, they need, something to go right from this year head to head into next year because their slim playoff chances are basically dropping by the second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's the first watch list one, but yeah, that's uh, a profile we're all excited about and definitely one that we'll be keeping tabs on in the spring next, next off season might be kind of uh, in that Spencer Torkelson range next year of, of kind of the, the deeper hype after some of the names that everyone's going to reach for. So uh, like it for Casas, but keep we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, then going back to pitch, pitchers, Steve, Ken Waldachuk, who just came over to Oakland from the Yankees in the Frankie Montas trade, he's also been announced that he is going to be promoted. Uh, I believe he's in line to start today, as our listeners are listening to this. So Thursday against the Nationals. Great first start for him. So if you're in same-day transaction leagues, might be some uh, some streamer interest here, Steve. Uh, what do you see with, with Waldachuk? It seems like his name is being put alongside Hunter Brown in a lot of like the Twitter searches and everything because they're both kind of those toolsy upside pitchers that might have some opportunity in the next few days. So Waldachuk, what are your thoughts, Steve? Yeah, I like it. I mean, I would add him over over Brown just because he's actually starting and has this great matchup versus the Nats uh, today uh, as as this podcast comes out. Um, it, it's interesting. Uh, I know we we've we've gotten on Oakland for sort of the teardown that they did, but they are pretty good at uh, you know they don't they don't develop talent on their own, but they're pretty good at at acquiring you know nearly developed talent and guys that might be underrated uh, and, and actually contribute, especially on the pitching end, right? Like, 
you know, uh, they did a great job with Bassett. Uh, Cole Irvin this year comes to mind. Um, so, you know, who knows? Maybe they, they see something in him and, and he's a little bit better than he than we think. Not that he wasn't a, a, a decent prospect um, or in his own right. But, you know, 24 years old, right, you know, obviously just really close to the majors uh, when they acquired him. So basically ready to go. Um, a big lefty, you know, it, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, the, the fan graphs has his fastball at 60 grade is his changeup at 60 grade. So, um, two plus pitches, uh, nice to have the fastball uh, as a plus pitch on, on the scouting end. And, you know, another one that's, that's got a good strikeout rate uh, in 47 innings in triple a, a uh, 34% strikeout rate. The walk rate was a little high. Um, you know, uh, he's actually trimmed it down when he, when he came to Oakland and in his 18 innings of these, these pitched there, just that 3.8%. So that's encouraging. Um, I, I like it. I, I would absolutely stream him if he's available, uh, for sure. And then if it goes well, it's one of those things that you can say, Hey, maybe, maybe I have something here for the last month. Mm-hmm. The little bit of cold water is the next start after this one. He would be lined up for the Braves in Oakland, at least. Um, nice. And then, but then after that, at Texas. So you know, kind of some some bad, some good. But yeah, I think at this point in the season, you're looking for any kind of hope on pitchers that you can add, and I think or starters that you can add, and I think Waldachuk is is a good one if you have the luxury of you know a deep bench and you don't have to roll them out for that start against the Braves I think uh two of the next three uh would be a thumbs up for Waldachuk and you just don't know what you know how his stuff is going to play up so solid numbers in the minors and uh, I think reason to be excited plus that home park as well so let's move to another he's never had a swing strike rate below 15 percent in the minors uh any full stop. So it's been 14% in the 18 innings uh, in Oakland, but still, that's that's still pretty good. I mean, he would have to pitch really, really good versus the Nationals for me to even consider starting him versus the Braves. But at least it's at home. And yeah, I would add him, sit him for the Braves start, and then all systems go for the rest. Yep. And moving to another uh, favorable home park with the Rockies is the call-up Michael Toglia, if I'm saying that right. Uh, first baseman. This is a large human being, Steve. Six foot five, 60 grade power, and he has been on fire in his last 17 games at AAA. Um, before that, at AA is a little bit more of an accurate picture, it seems like, given the hit tools much lower. In the, the 100 games at double A, he's 234 average, 329 OBP, and a 466 slug. Uh, Michael Toglia, the, the Rockies are kind of doing stuff similar to the A's where they, they blew it up, but they've got a lot of movement. We'll talk about another Rocky in a little bit. But what do we think about Toglia? Is this somebody you're interested in for some potential power help down the stretch? Uh, switch hitter with, with pop uh, in Coors Field, like – you know, uh, as as hard as it is for the Rockies to even develop anyone, uh, it seems like Toglia might be uh, someone that could be it. Uh, I mean, he's got 30 home runs this year in the minors. He homered tonight, actually, off Kenley Jansen, a two-run homer in his last at-bat uh, of the ninth. So that that's that's nice to see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it it's it's skeptical. I was talking about it in the Discord with someone today. Uh, it might, you know, he he, he tagged him as uh, kind of like pre-breakout Nate Lowe potential, which isn't exciting. Like Nate Lowe before, uh, basically June of this year was uh, a really frustrating player that you know kind of just hit the ball hard on the ground. Um, you know, I could see that with Toglia because before uh, this year, he really didn't have an OPS above. 800 except for in, in low a so that's surprising for someone that this big that you know has hit 17 home runs uh, at, at in 74 games at, at high a in 2021 but it's still an ops less than 800 and just 11 percent better than league average so it's kind of a a confusing profile he does strike out a bit but he also knows how to take a walk 
Um, you know, I, I think maybe I, I'm more optimistic. I think that maybe he could be uh, what Nate Lowe is this year and, and a switch hitter in Coors Field uh, with Pop. Uh, I'm keeping an eye on it. Probably more for, you know, maybe if, if he does do well and it goes a little under the radar, maybe more for 2023. But, hey, uh, a homestand and a Rocky hitter available in Coors, like I, I would definitely stream it uh, for, for some home games at least. Mm-hmm. He's got a series in Cincinnati and then the Brewers in Colorado and then the Diamondbacks in Colorado. So, yeah, so there you go. A- yeah, yeah, that's plenty a, that's of great a, that's a great yeah, that's a great stretch. So uh, I would definitely be adding Toglia for uh, for a week at least, just to just to maybe catch lightning in the bottle and get some good matchups. So a different shaped one here, Steve, is Spencer Torkelson, who is back up after what was a really brutal eighty three game stretch where he hit just one ninety seven. The OPS was shy of six hundred. And it just wasn't the season overall. I remember early on the projection systems were going wild for Torkelson. I was joking around about, you know, his Lou Gehrig projections (laughs) from some of the systems. And it just didn't work out for Torkelson. It's not to say we're writing him off forever. And I think at his age and just this, you know, basically a half season, it's not enough for us to give up on him. So is there reason for some optimism that Torkelson, while everyone's kind of looking left at all these young players, or I guess uh, prospect call-ups, Torkelson is kind of the post-hype uh, production bargain. What do you think on Torkelson? Uh, it's hard to get excited about him because uh, after he got sent down after that abysmal 83-game uh, stint in the majors, uh, he's produced exactly 100 WRC+. plus. So, Nothing great. Um, he struck out 27% of the time, but did walk 14% of the time. That's kind of in line with what he did uh, uh, in the minors at previous stops. So a little bit elevated on the K rate. But, you know, uh, a, a stretch like that at the MLB level, like th- that's hard to, to, to come back from. Um, but what does have me somewhat excited is Trevor Huth. Uh he used to uh, podcast and, and, and work for Pitcherless. He's now uh, over at Bless You Boys and covers prospects for Prospects Live. Uh, so the prospects and specifically Detroit Tiger prospects are exactly his things. He did have a tweet uh, in, in late August about uh, Torkelson's adjusted stance where he kind of quieted his, ha- his hands. So who knows? Maybe that's the, the adjustment that um, – he needed to to break through, so it'll be interesting. Uh, a more of a watchless guy for me. Um, definitely not giving up on Torkelson long term or anything like that. But uh, will be interesting to see. Like, I, I hope Detroit just plays him every day. Like, they're they're horrible and they they shouldn't block him or anything like that. So um, we'll we'll keep an eye on it. And maybe that adjustment that Trevor Huth pointed out uh, unlocks something here. Yeah, I'm with you. It's a, another watchless guy. So we got kind of a few there with Tristan Casas, Michael Toglia, and Spencer Torkelson. This next one, Steve, is a little hard to make sense of if it's an act fast or put on the watch list. And it's Miguel Vargas, who I know we love. We were talking about him, you know, almost ever since June. And, you know, the like the... The when will Vinny Pasquantino get called up account shifted over to Vargas. And I think we just love this player. I mean, he's been so good in the minors, a 304 average, 404 OBP. So a full hundred up is always what you want to see there. And then a 511 slug, 17 homers, 16 steals. Like I want this guy and I'm not, you know, I'm not even a Dodgers guy. I actively kind of root against the Dodgers, but Vargas feels different to me. I just love the player. And I pounced when he got called up earlier this season and it ended up being kind of a tease where it was just like two games out of five when he was called up and then they sent him right back down. Now he's getting called up again, Steve, and the Dodgers approaching playoffs. Bellinger the past two weeks, OPS under 650. Same goes with Muncie. That said, a lot of mouths to feed. What do we think here with Vargas? Because if he does play, it is an absolute must add, but it's really tough to make sense of 
kind of what what his value and production will be big picture uh what are your thoughts you, you stole the thought right out of my head man uh bellinger is the is the the path to playing time here uh chris taylor has been banged up and not as good since he's been on the il too so there is some potential like if vargas catches fire for him to 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 carve out a role and despite the dodgers always having that many mouths feeds like they somehow always do it, right? There was always questions like, "Oh, where is Muncy going to play?" Like, what? They, they figure it out. Like, mm-hmm. they, they they get guys in the lineup, and you know, uh, Vargas has played some first. He's played some outfield, so you know they could shuffle things around. Um, I think he even played some third. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I thought, thought I heard trying. second or third in the minors. Yeah, um, but yeah, point taken. They're they're trying to get him reps like everywhere. Yeah, exactly. So. If it, who knows? It just takes one day for them to say, "All right, that's it. We're we're done with with trying to figure out Bellinger, and they're just not going to play him rather than just bat him like eighth or ninth in the order." Uh, for for them to for for them to open up a spot for Vargas. So, uh, it sounds like you're going to have a lot of shares of Vargas in 2023, at least, which which I love. I'm I'm glad that that that's the case. I'll, I'll probably be right there with you, but. Uh, cautiously optimistic to to see if they actually get uh, get him some playing time, but you know a three hundred, four hundred, five hundred slash line like that's the dream, and at at any level that's 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 impressive. Uh, and and Vargas is probably one of the best all around hitters just in the minors. Period. Totally agree. I think it's if you have the luxury of having bench bats, I would say it's worth the shot because of what you said that the Dodgers tend to, you know, work these situations out. The whole life finds a way thing. If you don't, um, and all your bench spots are taken up by pitchers. I think in that case, you kind of have to wait just because of what happened last time with Vargas. So, uh, I think that's the diagnosis, but yeah, we'll be, we'll be talking plenty about him in the off season, Steve, and, uh, might be the earliest, one of the earliest names of, uh, 2023. Waff favorites, so we'll we'll stay tuned on what Vargas does uh, from here on in. Moving to Milwaukee, outfielder Garrett Mitchell has gotten the call, and this guy's a a, a speedster with the seventy grade speed, um, also sixty grade power. So right away got your attention with kind of the power speed combo. In his recent 20 games at AAA, a 342 average, 435 OBP, and a 466 slug with nine steals in those 20 games. So I think you're definitely getting the uh, the speed here. I wouldn't expect the average to be that high. It was never that high in, in AA. Um, he homered on Monday, Steve, but the pop hasn't really been there throughout the minors. He's hitting ninth for the Brewers. That offense needs all the help it can get. What are what are we thinking here for Mitchell? Just kind of a specialist. If you need some some speed, or or where are you at with Garrett Mitchell? Yeah, um, what interests me the most is that like the Brewers have just constantly needed some sort of offense and an outfielder, particularly. So uh, there might be more opportunity, even though Mitchell might not have the best tools uh, and skill of anyone that we've talked about so far, but the power and speed are, is interesting. He's already chipped in the steel too. So um, yeah, it might come with a, a, a tough average. That's, you know, below 250, maybe even like a, a 220, 230. But if he's going to give you an occasional homer and steal, that's, extremely extremely valuable down down the the stretch run so if he gets a, an extended look in playing time this might be a nice you know while everyone's clamoring over Vargas and Carroll and Henderson you know throw a throw a backup in on, on Garrett Mitchell and you might be uh get you know 60 to 70 percent of their product of those guys production if they do produce like we're producing um but Mitchell seems like a guy that could at least help you in homers and, and speed uh, at the very least uh, with uh, a significant uh, playing time just because Milwaukee needs it. And a decent stream stretch coming up here with, uh, we mentioned earlier, but uh, at the Diamondbacks for a four-game series and then in Colorado at Coors after that. So 
that's enough to kind of uh, stream and see what happens if you need the help. And uh, after that, they have the Giants. But at that point, maybe we'll have a, a decent look at what Mitchell's bringing to the table. Uh, speaking of cores, the second Rocky that we wanted to talk about was Sean Bouchard. And a little bit older of a, a prospect here, Steve, at 26. First base and outfield eligible, I believe. And I'm kind of interested in this one for as little as I had heard about Bouchard. I really like the plate discipline that he's got. And in 70 games at AAA this year, uh, batting 300, a 635 slug, 20 homers, 12 stolen bases. So this one kind of has my attention as kind of a late bloomer prospect here for the Rockies. Uh, Do you have thoughts on this? I'm kind of looking at this and wondering, like, why isn't there a little bit more made of Sean Bouchard here? But... Uh, maybe I'm missing something. Yeah, I mean, he's a tr- he's a 26 year old and playing in uh, you know where's the uh, Colorado's uh, AAA? I think it's like Albuquerque, like an extremely hitter friendly environment. But that mm-hmm. being said, you know, a 20 uh, under 23 percent strikeout rate, walked 14 percent of the time. Um, you know, could be a late bloomer here. Like, I'm trying to think of a comp. Like, I, I know Charlie Blackman was like a late bloomer, but that might not be fair, but you know, uh, a late pop-up power speed kind of guy, like, uh, I, I don't know, like, uh, maybe this could be like a, Adelis Garcia Ortega. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That someone to get a little bit more of excited about. I was thinking Adelis Garcia, but he was a little different since he played in Cuba has more swing and miss and, and less, you know, plate discipline. Um, but regardless, you know, uh, it, it doesn't take much for me to get excited about Colorado Rockies hitters. And, you know, an OPS that starts with one and a dot is, is impressive no matter where it is. So uh, even if you are a 26-year-old in, in AAA and a hitter-friendly environment. So uh, I know he got a run with the, the Rockies earlier. Uh, he didn't play much and then got hurt. That was cut short. So, you know, uh the Rockies should just play totally on him and, and Bouchard every day. I doubt they will because they're the Rockies and they're dumb. Uh, but you never know. At least at least they're up. So uh, those AAA numbers are really, really impressive. And, you know, uh, 12 steals with that, that, that. That's that's just crazy. I mean, he's had 22 steals, but that was at, 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 high, at, at, at high A back in 2018. So uh, never really had this sort of power. Uh, and, and, and really broke out this year. Uh, definitely a, a watch list for me. And, and, and speaking of those streams, the 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 Reds and 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 the Rock, and then going back home, uh, definitely would would stream uh, Bouchard and Toklia for those series. Yeah, I think it's a it's a good one and kind of a sneaky one. Anytime and over the 70 games it's been a 14% walk rate and just a 22.4% strikeout rate which is the lowest he's had across the minors so i'm interested i've got, I've got no beef with the the late bloomers here uh if they're they're coming with the plate discipline like that and hitting in cores so interesting one there for Sean Bouchard that's S E A N and then Bouchard is B O U C H A R D so that kind of wraps up our, our cores guys there. Let's talk about uh, catcher for the Astros, Steve, Yanair Diaz. And this is a, a guy that at a weak position looks like he could really help teams if he gets the playing time opportunity. His slash line across 48 games at AAA, a 294 average, 342 OBP, and a 587 slug. Was very productive at AA before that with an 870 OPS. 25 homers across 100 games in the minors. This has to get our attention at the catcher position. But do you think there's playing time here? Will this be kind of a, you know, two out of every five games? I mean, what are we what are we making of Diaz here with the Astros? Because almost everyone can always use help at catcher. Yeah, uh, it, it's not encouraging that he uh... – did he actually get called up yet, or is he coming up Tuesday or uh, tomorrow with uh, Hunter Brown? Uh, I thought it was tomorrow. I could yeah, check. okay, because uh, he hasn't played yet. That would be concerning. But, you know, the, the Astros do have Christian Vasquez, who's been, you know, 
fine as an offensive catcher that they acquired in the, at the deadline. Um, but yeah, Maldonado is just not uh, doing anything offensively. Not that they have him there for that. He is a good game caller and has a good arm and throws out base runners and is a good defensive catcher and all that. But I don't know. It, it's interesting. Maybe they're they're trying to see if they could catch fire in the bottle, like sort of an MJ Melendez type thing. That's like the vibe that I'm getting for uh, mm-hmm. for him. Um, you know, with that with that power from this position. Um, maybe he'll even steal a few dames at DH just because Jordan Alvarez, ever since that hand injury, just has not been the same. Uh, I know he he sat today uh, and really has not hit for much power uh, ever since he had that had that IL stint uh, before the All Star break with that hand injury. So uh, maybe it's it's insurance that way. Uh, with that kind of pop, I'm sure they'll want to at least see what they have for the playoffs here. Uh, you know, it might be more of a tryout type of thing. Get him used to the staff if they if he does need to catch in in a, in a big playoff game or something like that. So, uh, impressive numbers, a, a name that I'm keeping in mind for for next year. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the Astros' everyday catcher next year. And with that kind of pop and, and minor league numbers, I would definitely be intrigued uh, as a late catcher if that's the case uh, to get a share of the Astros lineup there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, with like you said, with the lineup, um, I believe he's played a little bit of first base as well. So maybe they'll try to sneak him in some uh, at-bats, like you were saying, whether it's DH or uh, spelling Guriel out or something like that. So uh, very interested there. I actually don't have it in front of me, Steve. I'm kind of curious what his plate discipline is because we've been talking about it. Uh, he uh, had uh, basically across, he had like a 16% strikeout rate and like a like a seven percent walk rate, uh, okay. Across, uh, I mean, just the, the that lowest strikeouts with that much power. I mean, if he yeah, if he does have the everyday role next year, I think that could be uh, quite a, a sleeper that's climbing up the draft boards. I could even see that being worth kind of a gamble on, like a top ten catcher off the board. If if we know that he's kind of everyday catcher. Doesn't but, walk much, uh, yeah, but his high his highest strikeout rate has been the seventeen point eight percent in the forty eight games at AAA, uh, two hundred nineteen plate appearances there. Um, so good. Yeah, that is that is very good. WRC plus one twenty one across AA and AAA. Um, so yeah, I, I like it there. And then talk to me about this last one, Steve. So Jeremiah Estrada for the Chicago Cubs. Um, just seen some of the, the fastball highlights on, on the Twitter sphere. And it seems like this is kind of a relief specialist. Are are you thinking that this might be kind of a stash and potential saves or what do we think with, with Jeremiah Estrada here with the Cubs? Yeah, I think this is a, a next year's save guy and just someone to go out and watch the highlights on Twitter from his first game. I think it was Tuesday night. Uh, Greg Jewett um, over at The Athletic, and he does the reliever recon. I'll plug that again uh, over on Patreon. It's like three bucks a month. He sends a daily email with like the breakdown of every single bullpen. It is absolutely amazing. Uh, I would definitely sign up for that. Uh, you know, uh, it, it's a great resource. He does a great job there. Uh, not that uh, we don't don't hear at pitcher list too and in, in the pen rick graham but uh shout out to greg jewett there as well uh he put out a tweet about his his outing and you know people in the discord today were ooing and eyeing over this guy's fastball it's like one of the most impressive fastballs that any that, that i've seen it's the 80 grade fastball which is absolutely crazy um and it looks like it uh it, it absolutely looks like it um, on Fangraphs, it's just 50 55. I don't know where this tweet comes. It was Brendan Miller, uh, who covers the Cubs. Uh, but it, 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 it's a ridiculous fastball. Uh, look it up and, and watch the videos on Twitter. Uh, just yeah, a name, close, a name to, close to 100. Yeah. yeah, close to 100. Right? Close to 100 with a ton of rise and move. Uh, this guy looks like a potential closer for, for years to come. So maybe just a guy to keep in mind. Or if not, uh, he had a good fastball for a little bit in, in August of September in 2022. Yeah, there you go. That's why we're at the, the tail end of the August episode for Jeremiah Estrada, you know. Uh, hats off to those of you who have been with us this long throughout the season. 
for this episode. Uh, so, Steve, I mean, we're kind of wrapped up here. Take us into your world a little bit. I know you're sweating on the home league. Are you are you fifty percent chance of advancing in your playoffs, or uh, where where are you at? Yeah, I would say it's fifty fifty now. I'm facing uh, pa- Patrick Sandoval. I'm watching him literally tear up the Yankees right now and, and shaking in my boots, but. Uh, it, it's going to be close. I would say it's absolutely 50-50 right now for me to advance. But uh, losing McClanahan was tough. When I uh, saw that notification come up on my phone that he wasn't scratched, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I, you know, I went through the stages like, okay, maybe they're just, like, pushing him back a day. Then I saw that he was warming up. It's the, like, all right, maybe, video. He's, maybe he's sick. Then I saw the video of him, like, crying. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, oh. <laughs> you know. And I mean, all things considered, like it sounds like he'll be back after the minimum stay, which is amazing. Uh, but yeah, it, it's going to be tough for me me to survive these uh, this week and then the next week without him too. But uh, we'll make up for it uh, at, at least on the starting pitching wise. Uh, I, I can try and scrape that together. Need my bats to start picking it up though too. But uh, I, I'm I'm a nervous Nelly over here for for the matchup this week. I will definitely uh, text you and keep you posted offline. Yeah, keep me posted, man, and uh, we'll keep at it here with all other things. Um, rest of the season, we're going to have some some more actionable shows, but then uh, I know we're looking forward to doing some of the recap shows on our some of our predictions throughout the years. We love going back to the chalkboard and seeing what some of the picks were that Steve and I had for targets and fades. I might have to uh, have a drink for that episode, uh, but yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun, man. And uh, good luck the rest of the way to you. I've got a I've got a best ball league that I'm like right on the edge of third place, and uh, second and first aren't out of the question. So I still got nice. I still got some skin in the game here, but um, yeah, overall, I'm pulling for you, Steve. So keep me posted on that and. Hopefully all you guys are also in contention, but thanks so much for for tuning in. Of course, like I said, you guys can hit us up on Twitter with any topics you want us to talk about at WinsAbovePod or email the show at WinsAboveFantasy at gmail.com. But that's what we got for episode 71, Impact September Call-Ups. It has been a blast as always. And Steve, great talking to you about baseball again, man. Yeah, glad to have you back. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Thanks for talking baseball with us. Talk to you guys next week. Later.